I'm Tanya Finken, and you're listening to the Westfield Second Ward Family Podcast. Okay, it says we're recording. So, Tanya, you're an old timer in the war. You've been in here about eight years, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So I was talking to Malia, and she said you guys moved in about three months after we did. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes, so, April 2014. Yeah, we moved in on New Year's Day. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Or New Year's Eve, whatever you want to pick yep. it. So we actually closed the day before. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, who's working on New Year's Day? <laughs> yeah, I know. So anyway, um, you didn't grow up in America, did you? I grew up in the U.S., kind of. Okay. Yeah, I was in the mili- my dad was in the military, so... Um, we, I was born in the U.S. in Texas, and then we moved oh. to the Philippines for about two and a half years. Okay. So that's my only real, like, long time outside the U.S. Um, and then we moved back to the U.S. and just bounced around in different military bases. So you're dead in the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines? Air Force. Air Force. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, so do you have any memories of the Philippines? The only memory I have is being at the zoo and picking up grass outside of a little, it looked like a deer to me, but I don't know what it was, picking up some grass and feeding it to it, but it started nibbling on my finger and I cried. So Ouch. that's my only memory. <laughs> no stitches or anything? No, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I was probably like three at that time. And to be honest, that's probably my first memory is, is that. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Well, very cool. So, so you're kind of a military brat. You grew up all over. Yeah. Uh huh. What are all some of the Air Force? But my dad was in the Air Force. <clears throat> oh yeah. So let's see if there's any any places that would overlap. So we got put in a lot of the boring places. Um, we went from the Philippines to Vandenberg, California, which is no one knows where Vandenberg, California is. I do. Do you? <laughs> but it turns out now it's Vandenberg Space Force Base. Did you know that? Oh, it's I no did longer not know Vandenberg that. Air Force Base. It's now Vandenberg Space Force My Base. My dad went to Vandenberg. Did he? A lot, yeah. yeah. So we went from Vandenberg. Um, I turned four in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. <sighs> he served in Rapid City. Oh, really? Ellsworth yeah. Air Force Base. Yeah. yeah. And then. Um, Went to Office Air Force Base in Nebraska, Omaha area. And then from there, went back to Vandenberg, and that's where my dad retired, was in Vandenberg. Yeah. So you're a California girl? No, I only lived there for a year and three months of my life, so... Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, we... He retired about a year after we moved there, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, and then we moved here to Utah. Okay. Yeah. And so, do you have any other memories from growing up? Um, Yeah, so... There's a few of them that I, I think I mentioned before in talks in church or whatever. But um, so one was that since we did move around a lot, we were often uprooted, right? Um, didn't really have a church that we went to, though sometimes we would go to like the neighborhood Methodist one. I think I went when I was eight years old and long enough to get baptized and we never went back again. <laughs> you were not partial to the Methodist sect like <laughs> <laughs> no, so I mean, I, I I just remembered I went to like kind of a primary type class, uh-huh. and we'd do coloring pages, and it was basically a place for all the kids to go so that the adults could go to another Sunday school meeting or uh-huh. something. So um, I don't have many memories of the things I learned there, but I did learn that Adam and Eve, Eve were naked in the Garden of Eden is what I remember learning. <laughs> and also songs like, I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Anyway. Oh, wow. So a few, yeah, a few songs that I, we did actually sing um, 
the Noah's Ark song in that church. Wow. Yeah. So for all those, uh, anyone who's been to a young women's camp, they know what I'm talking about. But yeah. So I actually did sing that in that primary class in church because it was... So you imported the Methodist song into the Mormons? No, 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 no. I didn't do that. That okay. was, yeah. <laughs> other, other people already brought that in. Well, I, <laughs> our hymn book has all sorts of Methodists and everything in yeah. there. So. Yeah. So, um, but one I thing... I think Joseph and Emma were married in the Methodist church. Oh, were they? Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't remember a whole lot um, from what I learned in that church, <clears throat> but just that we went, we re- went really for maybe, maybe six months. But beyond that, that's really the only, like, learning about Christ that I've ever, ever had, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that Easter was about Christ. Oh, it was about the Easter Bunny? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that Christmas was really about the birth of Christ. It wasn't about Santa Claus? It was about Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that it was centered on the birth of Christ. Like, I didn't realize that that's what we were celebrating. Oh. I knew that it had something to do with church because people sang, and I knew that... I'd sing Silent Night, right? But I didn't understand that that was about, that, that we were singing about the birth of a person, right? The Son of God. I didn't, it, that didn't connect. I didn't know who Christ was. Oh, okay. Right? So it was like, when it comes to my understanding of Christianity, it was very minimal. Um, I, knew, I didn't know about the atonement. I didn't know about, I didn't know Christ was the Son of God. I, like, I think I kind of picked up pieces that maybe his birth was miraculous, right? But I, it didn't, affect me in my life so I didn't understand how it how it had anything to do with me wow. or why I should care right but it sure was a fun holiday <laughs> and I liked singing the songs um, memories though I did always have feel a strong connection with God I remembered being in my room many this happened many times from when I was like six years old to probably when I was like 12 where I'd just be alone and I'd be like playing or something and suddenly I just have this overwhelming feeling of you don't belong here this isn't your family. But it was never like scary because it was always saying to me, there's something bigger, greater. You have other parents. You didn't think you. you were adopted or something? You know, I kind of did. <laughs> oh, I really? did. Really? I did because I, my mom's Chinese and my dad's Caucasian and I didn't look like either of them. Oh. So sometimes I would have the feeling that I was adopted, but then I realized, oh, no, my brother and I look alike, so <laughs> we're not. And they show me pictures of us growing up. So anyway, but no, it wasn't so much that, but it was just a feeling of there's something greater that you don't understand, that you don't know, that you can't see, but there's something bigger, and, and, and you have other parents that love you. And so I, was, hmm. I had that feeling on and again and off again, until probably I turned into a teenager. <laughs> then that feeling stopped. But um, yeah, and I've always wanted to go to church. We lived near a church in Nebraska. Um, it was in our backyard, basically. So I'd go and I'd roller skate around it on Sundays. Hmm. That was me being close to God <laughs> by roller skating. Wow. Yeah. And all that time I'd roller skate on Sundays, no one invited me in. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there was always people coming in and out, but no one ever said, you want to come in here? So I just rollerblade, roller skate. Wow. Yeah, around the church. So. Now, are you old enough to be a rollerblader? No. <laughs> well, the, it the, happened no, my teenage years. Okay. Yeah, I could, I can rollerblade. I prefer roller skates. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. So, and then beyond that, another funny thing is I have always grown up having my best friends or boys that I had crushes on be members of the church. Oh, wow. So since first grade, first grade I had a crush on a boy for four years till we moved from one state to another. 
and he was LDS. Really? But I didn't realize that until I had until I had connected with someone at EFY many years later. I was EFY counselor, connected with someone from our same state. He's like, yeah, he should be coming home from his mission soon. And I'm like, wait, what? He's LDS? Like, I had no idea. I just knew that he was kind and nice and he was super shy, but I liked him. And then I moved to Nebraska where my best friend there for four years was, I knew her as Mormon. She was Mormon. We didn't know LDS and Mormon were the same Mm-mm. thing. <laughs> and then I went to California with probably my eighth grade year and my friends there were LDS. And so it wasn't until they were talking to me about how I was moving to Utah and they're like, yeah, there's lots. I said, yeah, there's lots of Mormons up there. They're like, yeah, we know. We're, our, we're, we have family out there. We're LDS. I'm like, yeah, but they're, they're, they're Mormons. <laughs> they're like, yeah, you know, we're LDS. And I'm like, but they're different. And they're like, no, they're the same. And then when I found out that that's actually called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I was like, I've seen those commercials my whole life. I know what that, I know what that church is. And to realize that all these different things are all the same oh, wow. to me was really, yeah. So I, by the time I came to Utah, I realized that the Mormons were the same thing as the LDS who are the same things as the Latter-day Saints, who are the same things as the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I'd always had an LDS friend or a boy that I had a crush on. Wow. Um, up until I moved to Utah when my dad retired and we, we moved here. And Why did your dad pick Utah? Um, he liked the mountains. Oh, okay. And he was also wanting to go into nuclear medicine technology, which is a, a medical field. Right. Yeah. And there was two universities that he was thinking about. One was in Nebraska, which we had lived there. We could have been with our friends. We just left them like a year before. You know, we wanted him to go to Nebraska. But that one is a two-year program. And the one here in Utah, at the University of Utah, was a one-year program. So he's a Utah man? He is a University of Utah. I'm very happy to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. So believe it or not, it's because the University of Utah that I have converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. Wow. It's the Lord's University. People People don't know that. (laughs) How many people are going to say that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, very good. Okay, so so has he joined? No. No. So so tell us more about your conversion. Okay, so um, like I said, I've always had friends that have at least kept me kind of on the straight and narrow because they were my best friends. I did what they did. Mm -hmm. So um, one of them... Actually got me to stop swearing because I, I was a bit of a potty mouth. Oh. Yeah. So I, I stopped swearing before I came to Utah so that by the time I came to Utah, I wasn't a potty mouth anymore. And you fit right in. <laughs> it fit right in, yeah. So um, we moved into a house where our next door neighbors were, he was the stake president. Wow. We didn't know what that meant. Right. Right? So our neighbor across the street, who he was not a member, but his whole family, his wife was, and they were... They, she was bringing their kids to church. So he, he would come out and meet us out on Sundays and just be like, yeah, so he's a stake president. We're like, what does that mean? He's like, okay, let me tell you about the church, right? So he'd go through like, there's so a thing called from a... a non-member? Yeah. <laughs> he'd be like, there's a thing called a bishop, and they're like the leader of the area. And then there's a stake president that's the leader of like all the different areas. And so we're like, okay, okay. So, so but then... Um, Actually, that man did eventually get baptized. Oh, nice. So, yeah, he had moved by then. But um, I met his father-in-law was one of my, was um, my branch president in the MTC. He had heard of me, and he said, um, I just want you to know that that Tom got baptized. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, anyway. So, we got invited to church, probably... what city is this, by the way? Sandy. In Sandy, Mm -hmm. okay. We got invited to church, probably, you know... 
a couple of months after we got there. Bengal hawk. Hawk. You're a hawk. Alpha okay. hawks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We lived right next to Indian Hills Middle School. Okay. Yeah. In fact, um, you can see the seminary building from our house. Mm. Which at first I thought it was a cemetery building. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I went to register for middle school, it was ninth grade. Um, he said, are you interested in seminary? And I said, what seminary? And he said, oh, it's, it's release time. You get to go and learn about your church. And I was like, sure. Do they have one for the Methodist church? He's like, no, just for the LDS one. I'm like, ah, we're okay. <laughs> I'll just take algebra. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, so yeah, so uh, we got invited as a family to go to church and so we finally just decided okay we're gonna have to do this at some point was this the stake president who invited you probably yeah, yeah. i'd become friends with their kids they had a, a a daughter my age and a daughter my brother's age and we just got along with their we did like we were there the whole summer didn't have anything to do so we they they played with us yeah mm-hmm. and so yeah so we finally went to church i had to borrow my mom's dress because i didn't own any dresses or skirts so to show up to church in your mom's dress is a little bit embarrassing, but I did it. And we went, and it was a fast Sunday. Mm. And we didn't know why people were crying. <laughs> we were kind of confused. Like, the sacrament came to us. We're like, do we take this? Like, are we allowed to? We're not members of their church. So a little bit of, like, introduction to what we would have expected would have been good. But we just kind of sat there and just went through it, you know, and... And I don't even know if we stayed for, like, young women's or Sunday school or anything. I don't know. But then we went home, and after that, my mom's like, well, I'm not going back there. And then after that, my dad, I did want to go back. So my dad would take me over the Sundays, and finally my neighbors were like, let's, let's, uh, we can take her. So I basically went to church with them for, like, the next seven years. Wow. Yeah. It was a commitment they probably weren't expecting. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, from I was 14, and then it was, it was until I went on my mission that I stopped going to church. So when did, you go to, when did you get baptized? I got baptized when I was 18. Okay. Yeah, about a week after. Okay. On 7-7. So were your parents, were they uh, apprehensive about you joining the church? Or? Yeah, I had asked early on. Like, I went to my first girls' camp probably a year after I started going to church, and I just felt the spirit really strongly up there, so... I'd asked my parents if I could get baptized when I was about 15, and they said no. And so that's when I learned there's a rule that you can't do it behind your parents' back. <laughs> you have to have their permission. So um, Until you're 18. Until I was 18, and yeah. And you can do it behind their back. Then I could do whatever I want. <laughs> just kidding. Don't do whatever you want. I'm just joking. Um, yeah, so um, it was about a week after I turned 18 that I got baptized. And, um, yeah, my, my family came. Uh, and, you know, my, it was funny because um, it was one of those things where right before I got baptized, um, I kind of lost, like, all faith because my parents kept drilling me questions about if I really believed or whatever. So I kind of walked into that. I, I got baptized on a Sunday, and I kind of walked into church that Sunday like, I don't know what I believe anymore. Mm. Right? It was like I, whatever I felt, it was gone. And so I was like, what do I do? I'm getting baptized today. And they kind of just poked holes in all the stuff that I believed in, you know. And so, but I, uh, I said, you know what? At one point I knew. At one point I understood. And I felt it. And I felt it. I can't say I didn't feel it. So I'm going to go through with it. 
So I did. I got baptized, um, not saying with zero faith, but just saying I had like, I, it was like, you know, that, not saying exactly this experience, but it was like when Joseph Smith had that darkness that kind of came over him before. It was something similar to that. Hmm. But not, I wouldn't say that. I didn't feel evil. I just felt like everything I'd learned was gone. Everything I'd felt was gone. But I knew I felt it. Hmm. So, anyway, so I got baptized and it came back and so we're, we're okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so you still, you continue to go to church with the stake president, basically? Yeah, with his family. Because uh-huh. he, was, he was mostly out of he was all over other the areas. Yeah. yeah. In fact, one time his family was on vacation and he was in town, but of course when he went to visit our ward, he'd have to sit up front. So I was sitting in the congregation by myself and he was sitting up front and he just looks at me and like shakes his head and, you know, tells me to come to him. And so he makes me sit next to him up on the front and I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> just kidding. It was fine, but it was like, everyone was like, we were expecting you to talk or do something. I'm like, no, he just didn't want me to sit alone. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Very cool. Well, um, so you you mentioned you served a mission. Tell us a little bit about missionary service. Um, Okay, so I served in the Taiwan Kaohsiung Mission, which Mm -hmm. today does not exist as a mission on its own. It's part of the Taichung Mission, but it's the hometown where my mom grew up. Oh, wow. Yeah, so when I got my mission call, she ran to the phone before I did to tell her family where I was going because... Yeah, she was so, so excited. She was so excited. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I have people I want to tell about my mission call, but whatever. <laughs> now, is, did you grow up speaking Chinese then? No. No. So, kind of. Like, we knew things like, um, it's dinner time. Go to the bathroom. I'm going to spank your bottom. (laughs) Don't do that, right? We kind of knew. And I understood, like, basic principles. Like, I knew how to say me versus mine, you know, ours, his. So I knew, like, different. um, I could piece together grammatic or grammar type principles, right? Uh I kind of knew. But when it came to vocabulary, I had very minimal. I took some classes in college. After. Or before? Before, because this was back when girls when had 21. to wait until they were 21. And right. in fact, I... So you I, took some Chinese classes in college? I did. I took some Chinese classes in college. I took German in high school. Oh. <clears throat> they didn't offer Chinese back then. It was Spanish, German, and French. Sometimes mm-hmm. Russian. Yeah. I think they quit offering Chinese at Willow Creek. Did you know that? Did they? Because Preston can't take it. Oh, no. That's yeah, too Brandon bad. Brandon took it, but Preston can't. Yeah, I think they just don't have the teachers at yeah. Lehigh to continue the program. So yeah. that's sad. Yeah. Yeah, so I learned, my, I brought in my vocabulary in that Chinese class, learned how to write, and I learned how to read pinyin, which is what uh, we use as Americans to be able to verbalize the Chinese. Yeah, they don't need it. They speak it, but we need something to kind of give us a visual of how to say these words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I served, yeah, in Taiwan, um, left in 1999 and came back in 2001. It was an awesome experience. I had lots of companions. Like I said, I was allowed to contact my family there once a month. So sometimes they'd take me and my companions out for dinner. And nice. that was always great. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, I actually did have two uncles that passed away while I was in Taiwan. Oh, so you went to the funeral? I was able to... Well, one was outside my mission. He lived up in the Taipei area. But my president, my mission president let me call him 
So I was able to talk to him before he passed away. He was in the oh. hospital. Yeah. And what's amazing is I was able to talk to him. Right. Right? Because by, by that time, I'd been on island for three months, and I was already... Pretty fluent? ...able to communicate with him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so... Um, and then my other uncle passed away, and I wasn't able to go to his funeral because theirs are a little different, but they have a viewing inside their home where you're able to go. And so I was able to go and see my cousins. And what's sad is I'd ridden by his house. He was in my area. And you didn't know? I didn't know. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'd, I was like, I have visited an orphanage near here. I know, ex- I, I, I've been down there. I, I know the street. Wow. And I had no idea that he lived there. Because I didn't know when I was younger where my uncles and aunts lived. So, yeah. So, but it was good. I got to talk with him. And, or sorry, talk with his family I got to see him. He was, um, they kind of put them in a, a refrigerated chest hmm. um, before the ceremonies. I didn't know rules, though. Apparently, I wasn't supposed to smile or laugh. And me being me, I was trying to be nice and friendly and cheer people up. And oh. I was doing the opposite of what I was supposed to be oh. doing. So I didn't know culture, apparently. Um, but they forgave me. I'm just their American cousin. <laughs> so they were, they were kind to me and forgave me. And, and then I was also able to call another aunt that passed away. She was my uncle's wife, but we, we knew her best. Like she, they came to the United States to visit us sometimes. So I was able to communicate with her also in Chinese. So just that blessing itself of me being able to speak the language of my family was wow. amazing. But also to be able to teach people there you know learn more about the culture and it was good yeah well and they have a big they're in big into they're huge into genealogy they are but it's funny because the individual families are and my family is into it but there's very few resources for it oh really the government has all the records they don't have them organized in any way they're just filed they're just records that are filed away so no one in the government has taken the time to organize them and this is what we found out when we went back this last time i took my kids back i think heidi was six and lee must have been 12 so you know five or six years ago someone from the states was able to connect me with someone in taiwan to tell me what the process was so that when i went to taiwan i was prepared but i needed my mom to be there because she's the one with a taiwanese government card i couldn't have gone there as a a non-citizen of taiwan and asked for my records only citizens of Taiwan can. Oh. And so she went with her card, and we sat down with this government official to get records. And so she was able to look up, up the records. So she was able to actually, like, make us photocopies of birth certificates, marriage licenses. I don't know if we have death certificates, but, but because of these marriage licenses, they filled out so much information, we could tell from one person's marriage who their parents were right. on both sides, right? So it was awesome because we went in with her mom and her dad's name, right? My mom knew her grandparents' names, but this was giving them more information, their right. names, their birthdays, right? right? What day they got married. And so we were able to go back to my mom's great-grandparents, Wow. Which she'd never known who they were before. So what was interesting was when we walked in, the lady was kind of upset that we were there because she didn't want to look up all this stuff, right? But the moment we started getting momentum and she started seeing how excited we were, 
about it. We didn't have to ask her, hey, can you look this person up anymore? She's like, let me look this person up, right? So she kind of caught the bug when we were there. She at first was very stubborn, very obstinate, did not want to give us any information. She was upset that we were there. But in the end, she was like, let me find out what... So she, she found... She was the one that dug through everything. Like, just, you know... It was all on a database, but she's the one that was able to say, oh, here it is. I have it here, you know, and, and so super grateful for that lady. don't remember who she was, but she, you know, again, a Taiwanese just clerk that was able to find this stuff for That's us. Very so cool. Yeah. We have stuff written down. And the reason why we have up to my mom's great-grandparents is because that's when the Japanese invaded Taiwan. And the Japanese were the ones who were better at record keeping in a for, in a government sense. Okay. But they would also they were also the Taiwanese were below them in their minds. Right. So when a Taiwanese woman who doesn't know how to write would say, "My name is this," they would put down the Japan or the uh, their translation of it, but put in a condescending name that sounded the same. Oh. So I have one aunt who I have a great grandma or one of my grandmas whose name is. W-H-O-R-E. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, because it was similar. They wrote down that character, but it's because her name sounded like that character. Right. So to be condescending, they wrote down that her name was Oh, that's that. terrible. So they're not factual, but they're names, and they, are, they have dates, and that's something that I can take to the temple, even though it's not perfect. It's wow. someone yeah. with a name. So... You could take off the W and make it or something. <laughs> well, it's just it sound, it's the character, right? Yeah, right? I don't know what her real character is, but I do know that whatever her real character was, it sounded like this character. Right. So that's all I know. Wow. So we just take away the meaning and make it the sound. Right. And it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah. So what family relationships have had the most impact on your life? So we didn't really live near family. My mom's family was in... Taiwan. My dad's family was in South Carolina. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I went on my mission to South Carolina. Did you? Yeah. Greenville. Oh, okay. Area. Piedmont, actually. Okay. Just south of that. I was in Spartanburg not too far Were away. you? Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, so we uh, didn't really hang out with family that much. We were very isolated as a unit. So, I, I mean, I guess I'd say my dad was probably my closest... Yeah, mm-hmm. he was just my hero, so, yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Um, so tell us about your professional life. Is it just working on goats out in the yard? <laughs> so I do work at BYU. You do goat soap? I do, I do, and it's good. <laughs> no, I do work at BYU. Oh, I didn't know um, that. I work just part-time. I take care of the fish facility. They use... Fish that have trans genes in them. The trans genes allow fluorescent molecules to be produced while certain proteins are produced. So in certain parts of their body, like the brain, while one protein is being produced, it will kind of add this tag of this fluorescent protein. And so that when we um, put it under a microscope and hit it with a certain wavelength of light, it will fluoresce and we can image it. Wow. So, yeah. So we have fish in there that where their blood vessels glow, or their neurons glow, or their brain glows, or a part of their brain glows, or their eyes glow, or their eye lenses glow, or their hearts glow. So they, they look at these little fish as a way to um, watch development of animals. Um, and you can watch that by looking at these glowing organs in their so body. So you're like a marine biologist, sort of. Mm, 
No, because they're, <laughs> I mean, no, because I don't really do the research. I am there as a, a facility manager to make sure that all the fish are taken care of. But I do train people on how to use the microscope where you can visualize it. But BYU is great in that they don't hire, they don't hire researchers. They, the students are the researchers. The professors are the ones that lead the labs, and the students are the ones who do the research. So um, it's like the University of Utah, they hire researchers, right? They have postdoctorates up there. They're a research facility. BYU is as well, except that they don't hire the researchers. The researchers are the students. So it seems like it's not as good, but when I went to the U, I did go to the U. I graduated from there. I I worked in the lab, and they had me do stuff. You were a Utah man, too? I was, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Um, When they did research, I was definitely, like, I was an undergraduate researcher, so I was, like, bottom level, you know? Uh I wasn't writing papers. I wasn't doing anything beyond just kind of the grunt work, right? I did my own research, but it was never intended for me to publish it. The students at BYU, because they don't have these postdoctorate positions, their graduate students become their postdoctorate positions, mm-hmm. right? The graduate students are running the lab. They're ordering things. They're, they're telling the undergraduates what to do. And some of these undergraduates are like what the graduate students were at the U. Uh-huh. So there is, the only underlings they have are the ones who just come in and they start learning. They're the underlings. They're, but then after that, they're writing their own papers. and they're, hmm. So it, it's, it's almost like not by not having it be a research facility it it is but it's it's not hiring researchers it makes it so that everyone has to step up their game a little bit hmm. does that make sense yeah. yeah so it's it's been fun to see the difference between the university of utah and how they do research and byu and how they do research so i got my name on a paper did you <laughs> utah yes, yes i got my name on it too but i definitely did not write that paper <laughs> <laughs> I was like fourth or fifth. I did some statistical analysis. Oh, so nice. It was on mouth lesions, which I'm sure everybody's Ooh, interested in. Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah, <laughs> so I have one peer-reviewed uh, publication. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. Very cool. So what has nurtured your testimony most during your adult life? Definitely the challenge of being a mom mm. mixed with scripture reading and prayer. Yeah, like, you know, when you're younger and you see moms you think they all have it all together that they know how to be a mom they know what motherhood's about but the moment you get that baby in your hand you realize i know nothing i don't know how to take care of this thing i don't know what it needs i don't know i don't know anything and like you know your kids expect you to be like this this expert at being a parent and you're like i'm learning with you you are my experiment If you do the thing I don't want you to do, I change my tactic to make you do the thing I do want you to do. (laughs) So I think, you know, learning that, and also with that, learning that I'm not 100% in control of everything, and that's okay. Like, learning to let go of being in control has been really hard. But I have to realize, they are their own individuals. Heavenly Father knows what they need. I'm going to try to facilitate as much as I can of that, but... They're, they're in control of their lives, and I'll do as much as I can. But, yeah. So definitely being a mom, being a, and reading scriptures and just having prayer, those in my life has been what's kept my testimony going. Because I felt, you know, that, that I felt Christ buoy me. I felt Heavenly Father answer prayer to let me know how to guide these kids. 
So. Being a parent is the most difficult job I've ever had, <laughs> without question. Like, I was I was always good at the things that I did, but I was like it, it was a it was a quite a realization to realize I'm just a mediocre mom. Like <laughs> like I'm I was a great I was great at being a student, you know, I was great at doing research, but I am not good at this. And it was hard for me to be like, this is what I've dedicated my life to and I'm not even great at it. Like I'm not I'm not good at this. So that was a hard that was yeah. a hard, hard, I think that's what, when the prayer really kicked in, like, you got to help me out. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> There's no book. Give me the book. I know. <laughs> it would be so much easier with a book. Yeah. Uh, well, interesting. What life experiences caused you most to trust in God? Is it parenthood? Yeah, it's parenthood. And also growing up, like I said, with me, I'm not a perfect parent. And then I also didn't have perfect parents. So there were struggles that happened, personality con- conflicts were hard, right? And our family unit was only four big, right? It was my dad, my mom, me, and my brother. Mm-hmm. So if two personalities didn't get along, then that's a real struggle to move from place to place to place to place and have these two personalities, you know? And really, to be honest, there was probably three personalities that didn't get along in our family. <laughs> anyway, so I think that struggle is what always made me think, there, you know, there's got to be some, like, I don't know, maybe that explains why I got these feelings of there's something beyond this, there's something greater, you know, there's, it, it I, I feel like I, I wanted to have kind of that completely loving family unit, you know, but it just wasn't happening as I was growing up, and I, 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 I wanted it, you know, and so when I felt those feelings, I was like, there, maybe there is something out there, I need to find it, you know, so um, so I would say that that's probably the biggest thing is because I, I, I lacked some things in my childhood, I was able to find the church because I, I knew what I needed to look for. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that is, that's cool. Well, <clears throat> what do you love most about the Westfield Second Ward? Oh, the people. <laughs> They're great. They're just, we just have good people yeah. in our neighborhood and in our ward. And yeah, I just think that they're... They're great, and they're forgiving, and they're, we all make mistakes, and we're all learning together. But when, you know, when people have struggles, they let other people come and help them. And then they also help when other people are having struggles. So I just mm-hmm. think that you know, we're, we're doing a good job when it comes to just being there for each other. And yeah, I've seen lots of good come out of this neighborhood. So. Yeah, definitely. So do you have a favorite calling? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> but I'm not, I, I mean, yeah. You can, you can share. It's okay. Oh, well, I, I, I have enjoyed every calling that I've had in this ward. Um, when I first started, what were we? Oh, I was, uh, it was back, it was enrichment back then. So I, I had that calling for yeah. a while. Enrichment leader. Yeah. And then um, I never. Wow. But I've had a primary, I had a nursery calling, and I liked that. I was camp director. I was um, gospel doctrine teacher. This is my second time. I feel like I was a Sunday school teacher at some point, like for youth, but maybe not. Maybe that wasn't here. And then, of course, young women's. So I've loved them all. It's, I, I've liked getting to know individuals at each level, right? Because mm-hmm. now I see these nursery kids that I had, they're like all in first grade now, and they're so cute, first or second grade, you know. So, and then of course the young women keep growing and I just, I like knowing people 
in all these diff- in all, for all these different reasons. And like the mm-hmm. more callings I get, the more I get to meet people. And so for me, that's been the the fun thing is getting to know people because cool. of different callings. Yeah. Do you have a least favorite calling? <laughs> no. No. Because <laughs> if you say it, you're gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, elders quorum president would probably be my least favorite calling. Okay, I don't think so, you're going to get okay. that. Okay, <laughs> then, then it we'll, we'll have to have a revelation like the community crisis. Yeah. That <laughs> um, but uh, you, know, you know, you can always say scouts. You can't be put in the scout. Leader I anymore. was in the I was in the Boy Scouts. That was another calling I had. And they, yeah, but you liked it. Um, I was only there for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, it was fun. And I got to work with Becky Dejani, so that yeah. was fun. I guess Elders Quorum and, and Scouts, you can, you can say those. You won't yeah. Those. I just don't want to be a young men's advisor. It just sounds really <laughs> awful. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, I get to ask the hard question now. Oh. If you could send one message 100 years into the future for your posterity to hear, uh-huh. what would it be? It would probably be something like, well, I Neiman. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I Neiman. Well, I Neiman. I don't think we have a lot of Chinese <laughs> listeners. Hey, this is for my posterity, Rick. <laughs> no, just to, I don't know, remember their roots. Um, in our family, like, I'm a convert. Chris's mom is a convert, and Chris's dad's grandparents, Chris's dad's parents are converts. So we have like our own little bubble. We have no, we're not connected to. So a, you're all modern day pioneers. We're, we're right? a little pioneer bubble, right? Yeah. We're not yet connected to other pioneer families uh, of, you know, the traditional pioneer sense. Mm-hmm. So. You should know this is Pioneer Day that we're making this This is recording. Pioneer Day, yes. <laughs> so I, I think what I'd want them to remember is, you know, the Pioneer heritage is important because it's because of that that we have what we have, you know. But they need to also understand why their ancestors ancestors decided to join the church, you know. And um, that these are real people with real struggles. And, um, you know, Chris's grandpa was... He served in World War II, but not in the army that we would oh. consider him to be a hero in, right? Because um, he was in Germany. He was from Germany. Oh, wow. But that doesn't discount the experiences that he had because he was always taught to be good. And he, even though his job was to dig trenches through people's farmland, he grew up a farmer. He made sure to dig trenches in a way that it wouldn't hurt their crops, right? Oh wow! And even though he like he has all these stories about him being shot upon, you know, or, or them being you know them running into sol- enemy soldiers in the nighttime, but he'd never had to kill anyone in, in these situations because he was able to smooth talk his way out of it or do whatever or mm. anyway. Um, so I think just realizing that these are real people with real stories. Um, I know Chris's grandpa has told his stories. We have them. I'm hoping that my kids can get, you know, their, their grandma Helen to tell more stories. And um, great-grandma passed away, but she was able, she's not really a storyteller, but she was able to share things here and there that grandkids were able to write down. And, yeah, I just want them to realize that we've given up some things to be part of this church, but we've also gained so much. And I, I hope that they, they see that and that they, they feel that and that they can also build a relationship with their Heavenly Father and 
learn more about their Savior and learn what He's done for them. That would be my my hope for them is that they can build a relationship with their Father in Heaven and also Jesus Christ. So awesome. Yeah, but I'd cool. say it in Chinese. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Well, is there anything that we missed? No, I think we're good. A beauty pageant queen or something or anything like that? No, (laughs) no. Game show host? No, I was never on Wheel of Fortune. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if I have, like, a claim to fame. Like, I don't even know if there was ever anything that I was on. I've never had my 15 seconds, and I don't want them... I don't need my 15 seconds. I'm fine being. This is your 15 seconds. I guess so. This is my 15 seconds. We're we're working on 40 minutes of fame. Oh, sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, Tony Finken, I really appreciate you being on the Westfield Second Ward Family Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mm